Hi, everybody, and welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. I'm your host, Albert Hardy. I have a question for you that's been gnawing at me a little bit, and I'd like for you to give me some feedback, if you would. You can go to my website, itellwhy.com, where I have nothing for sale. I don't want your email address unless you want to communicate with me. You can send me an email. You can get the address off the website. Just go to the update and get it there. But what I want to talk to you today about is what does the bottomless pit have to do with you, your children, and your future? Are people really destined to go there? Is this the hell that uh, many pastors and teachers try to frighten their parishioners with? Is that what it's talking about here? We're going to take a look at it. So where's it located? According to Strong's Concordance, it's only in one book, the book of Revelation. So we're going to go through all seven places where it is. And we're going to see what it says. And I hope you have uh, some good understanding on this by the time we're done. And that you're not frightened by it so much as you might have been before. Is it really a mystery? Well, here we go. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 9 and verse 1, and that's where the first reference to it is, except for in other translations. I'm using the King James Version just to see where these references are, because other translations do not have so many about it, as does the King James. So we're going to take a look so bear with me if you would, and I'm going to tie this in and show you how it really does relate to our future. So here we go. Revelation 9 and verse 1, and I want to read it out of the NLT, which, by the way, has some other references to the bottomless pit, like the one in Luke chapter 8, and we're going to take a look at that as well. But first, here it is, chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Then the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen to the earth from the sky, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Now other translations call this an abyss. Verse 2. When he opened it, smoke poured out as though from a huge furnace, and the sunlight and the air turned dark from the smoke. Then locusts came out from the smoke and descended on the earth, and they were given power to sting like scorpions. They were told not to harm the grass or the plants or trees, but only the people. Now, what could possibly hurt only the people? 
They were told not to harm the grass or the trees or the plants, but only the people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Now, the seal of God on your forehead would be the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. It's the opposite of the mark of the beast that is mentioned in Revelation 13, 16, and 17. So it's only the people who did not have the Holy Spirit, they were told not to kill them, verse 5, but to torture them for five months with pain like the pain of a scorpion sting. Verse 6, in those days, people will seek death, but they will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. They had what looked like golden crowns on their heads, and their faces looked like human faces. They had hair like woman's hair and teeth like the teeth of a lion. They wore armor made of iron, and their wings roared like an army of chariots rushing into battle. They had tails that stung like scorpions, and for five months they had the power to torment people, people that did not have the Holy Spirit of God, which he is protecting each one of us, by the way. Verse 11, their king is the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon, the destroyer. If you drop down to verse 18, listen to this. Well, let's back up to uh, 17. In my vision, I saw the horses and the riders sitting on them. The riders wore armor that was fiery red and dark blue and yellow. The horses had heads like lions and fire and smoke and burning sulfur billowed from their mouths. Then verse 18, one third of all the people on earth were killed by these three plagues, by the fire, by the smoke, and by the burning sulfur that came from the mouths of the horses. Their power was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails had heads like snakes with power to injure people. But interestingly enough, listen to this. Verse 20 20 says, But the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. They continued to worship demons and idols made of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders and of their witchcraft or their sexual immorality or their thefts. This word translated here as witchcraft, I believe, is pharmakia. So according to God, the way I understand this now, it's sorcery, it's witchcraft, it's devilish because what they're doing is going to kill people.
They're trying to depopulate our planet. Just research under Pharmukia. Now in Greek, that is spelled P-H-A-R-M-A-K-E-I-A. The way I understand it. It can mean poisoning, medications, drugs, or opiates as well. Kind of links us and our time with those things that are found in the book of Revelation. Now let's flip on over to Luke and we'll see one more instance where this word bottomless pit is located. It's found in Luke 8. Let's start in 26. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes across from Galilee across the lake. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time he had been homeless and naked, living in the cemetery outside of town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man, Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed away into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, What is your name? Legion, he said, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. In the margin, in the NLT, it says, or the abyss or the underworld. Now, that's supposedly where the devil will be spending, quote-unquote, eternity. Can you really spend eternity? No. You can't spend eternity like it was a limited quantity of gold or money. No, it's something that we will inherit. It's something that we will have in the future. Take a look at Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 11. And this is describing Satan's fate, if you ask me, because nobody else can fit this description. Here it is. Son of man, sing this funeral song for the king of Tyre. Give him this message from the Sovereign Lord. You were the model of perfection, full of wisdom, and exquisite in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, red carnelian, which is, I understand, a ruby, a type of ruby, pale green peridot, white moonstone, blue-green beryl, onyx, green jasper, blue lapis lazuli, which is a deep royal blue rock strewn with strands of gold. It's very beautiful. Turquoise and emerald, all beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. Now this can't be talking about a human because they're born. They're not created. 
I ordained you and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. So see, we know he's not a human. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence, and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God, God says here. I expelled you, O mighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty, and your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground and exposed you to the curious gaze of kings. You can read about that where Jesus talked about it. He said, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. Luke 10 and verse 18. You defiled your sanctuaries with your many sins and your dishonest trades. So I brought fire out from within you and it consumed you. Did you know Satan was going to be consumed by fire? I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All who knew you are appalled at your fate. You have come to a terrible end, and you will exist no more. Unquote. Now, do you believe God, or do you believe people? I had four gentlemen whom I do respect for other things, and I asked them about this question, about the bottomless pit and what they thought it was and what it could possibly have to do with us. Well, they all believed that it had everything to do with hellfire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet were cast and all that. Is that a permanent place of living or dwelling? If Satan himself is going to be killed in that way, how about his followers? So now let's go back to Revelation 9, and then I'll pick it up again in uh, verse 11. Their king is the angel from the bottomless pit. His name is Abaddon in Hebrew, and in Greek, Apollyon, the destroyer. And then we see what he destroys here, and that's one-third of all the people on earth. So is this a local event? I'd say no. Now let's flip on over to chapter 11 of Revelation and verse 7. When they complete their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the bottomless pit will declare war against them, and he will conquer them and kill them. Who's he talking about? He's talking about his two prophets in verse 4, chapter 11 of Revelation. These two prophets are two olive trees and two lampstands, that stand before the Lord of all the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, verse 5, fire flashes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. This is how anyone who tries to harm them must die. They have power to shut up the sky so that no rain will fall 
for as long as they prophesy. And they have power to turn rivers and oceans into blood and strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. So we see here a beast that comes up out of the bottomless pit. I find that interesting. Why? Because in other places it talks about this bottomless pit. So let's drop on over to chapter 17 and verse 8 and see what it says there. We have two, only two left after this one. 17 and verse 8 says this. The beast you saw was once alive, but now isn't. And yet he will soon come up out of the bottomless pit and go to eternal destruction. You see that? We just saw the whole description of that in Ezekiel 28. And the people who belong to this world, whose names were not written in the book of life before the world was made, will be amazed at the reappearance of this beast who had died. During the Dark Ages, or the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church tried to stamp out Islam. And that's my take on this beast. The beast is Islam because they almost killed it, completely dead, but not quite. And now there are more than two billion Islamic people around this world. Two billion. That's two thousand millions. Now, they are taking over Europe. How are they doing that? Not by war. They're simply outpopulating every native people that was born there. But now, they are taking over England and France and Germany and Spain and Belgium and all over Europe. And they are not bringing peace. They're bringing war. They're bringing Sharia law. The European peoples, my ancestors, for example, don't like that. But we only have about one half to one baby apiece in our families these days. Some people don't even have children. They refuse to put up with the hassle and the responsibility. They just don't have what it takes. But Satan, as we see here in verse 8, will go to eternal destruction along with those who belong to this world. They're not coming back. They will die. Die the death. Now, I also talked to one gentleman this week who said that, no, I disagree with you. He said, all people will eventually be saved. This is not from Jesus. Jesus did not say that all people will be saved. He said some will go to eternal destruction. That's what it says right here. They're not going to, quote-unquote, make it in the end. No, they're going to be dead and stay dead forever. That's what happens to people that get judged not worthy for eternal life. They die. They don't keep living in hell. As I've said many times, I can prove that 
very simply. Look at the cross. Look at the cross of Christ. The cross disproves this eternal conscious torment in hell idea altogether. Why? Well, because Jesus did not pay that penalty. He did not go to spend eternity burning in the flames of hell. And yet every sin of every man, woman, and child who ever lived was laid on him. He should be in hell burning forever and ever if that was the penalty. But no, the penalty is death. The wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 But here's an example. Take Babylon. They were kind of the uh, epicenter, if you will, of sin. Here's what will happen. Chapter 51 and verse, um, let's start in uh, 25. I am your enemy, says the Lord. I will raise my fist against you and knock you down from the heights. When I am finished with you, nothing will be left but a heap of burnt rubble. You will be desolate forever. Even your stones will never be used again for building. You will be completely wiped out. Dropping down to verse 39, chapter 51 of Jeremiah, we read these words. And while they, that is the people of Babylon, and while they lie inflamed with all their wine, I will prepare a different kind of feast for them. I will make them drink until they fall asleep, and they will never wake up again, says the Lord. Now, you're going to believe the Lord or people. He reiterates it even more specifically in verse 30, or 57. Well, I'll back up just a little bit. Destroying armies come against Babylon. Her mighty men are captured, and their weapons break in their hands, for the Lord is a God who gives just punishment. He always repays in full. I will make her officials and wise men drunk, along with her captains and officers and warriors. They will fall asleep and never wake up again, says the king, whose name is the Lord of Heaven's armies. Then on down in uh, verse 64, then say, in this same way, Babylon and her people will sink never again to rise because of the disasters I will bring upon her. Unquote. Now let's go back to Revelation 20, where we see that people do not live forever in hell. And uh, let's see, 20 and verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. And he sees the dragon, that old serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut up and locked, so Satan could not deceive the nations any more until the thousand years were finished, and afterward he must be released. 
for a little while. Unquote. And then dropping down to verse 10. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. And there they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now that seems to indicate that they do live forever and ever, but we've already seen in other places throughout the Bible that no, that's not the case. Well, let's just flip on over to Jeremiah 23 and verse 40 and read what he says there about this torment and torture. And again, in 2340 of Jeremiah, he talks about the Babylonians. In verse 9, he says, I will make them an object of horror and a symbol of evil to every nation on earth. They will be disgraced and mocked, taunted and cursed wherever I scatter them. And then dropping down to verse 40, by the way, that was chapter 24 of Jeremiah, verse 9. But in 40, he says much the same thing. And I will make you an object of ridicule, and your name will be infamous throughout the ages. I'm just going to have time to give you a few references here. Not just Revelation 20.10, but uh, Daniel 12.2, as I mentioned. Jeremiah 23, 32 and 40, and also 24 and 9, and Isaiah 66, verse 24, and Jeremiah 25, 29, Malachi 4, 3, and Jeremiah 51, verses 39 and 57, which is what we've already read. Are we going to spiritualize away the meaning here? by saying this is just relegated for Satan and his demons, and that's where they're going to live for all eternity. Well, contrary to Scripture, and contrary to popular thought, Scripture says just the opposite. They're not going to live. They're going to die. Now, what are they going to die of? Heat, smoke, and brimstone. Where do we find that? Well, it was in Revelation 9 and verse 18. One third of all the people on earth were killed by these three plagues, the fire, the smoke, and the burning sulfur that came from the horses' mouths. So it's kind of a deep subject, if you'll pardon the pun, this abyss, this bottomless pit. But it's not talking about eternal conscious torment in the flames. It's talking about something that actually kills people on earth. So I'd like for you to understand that. And you can put this all together by looking up these references for yourself. Thank you for tuning in today. Study the Word of God and you will learn the truth that there is a devil and he is out to destroy the people on earth. Let's not let him do it. Let's keep praying and studying and drawing close to the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and worship him. He's the one coming back to save us and to become the Savior of the world. God's going to see to that. That's his business. That's what he's doing. And it's a great thing. So until next time, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Have a great day.